0: You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Schenck of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, for of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, he calls you now.
1: When we learn to follow the leading of God through the Holy Spirit, we can walk in a path that the Lord has for us. And this path is a path of freedom. It's a path of joy. And it's a a path that leads to great peace. And this peace is not just some sort of a, a feeling of peace or a passing feeling, but it's a deep and lasting peace. It's a sense of safety and a confidence that we have knowing that we're in the Lord's will and we're doing the work
0: that He has chosen for us to do. Everyone likes to feel that they are in control. Surrendering to God's will can be daunting. As Pastor Dave tells us in today's message, when we give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead us into God's will, we will experience a peace that goes beyond our understanding. Now here's Pastor Dave for today's message. We're
1: starting a new chapter, we're plodding our way through this great and glorious book of Acts, might well be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit as the Acts of the Apostles. So turn to Acts 21, we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses of this chapter today. Title of our message today is To Go or Not To Go, Um, and hopefully we can glean from it some really neat things that the Lord wants to show us. Acts 21. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail running a straight course, we came to cause the following day to Rhodes and from there to Patera and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went abroad, aboard, No, we didn't go abroad, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there, were, for there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. And when we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. And we had taken our leave of one another. We boarded the ship and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Abagas came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. Bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, will the Lord be done? Miriam Booth once said, it's wonderful to do the Lord's work, but it's greater still to do the Lord's will. Let me repeat that. It's wonderful to do the Lord's work, but it's greater still to do the Lord's will. One of the many books on my current reading list, and it's rather lengthy, I might add, is a book entitled, How to Know the Will of God. It's a book designed to answer that very question, which is so often asked. In fact, I've asked it many times myself. Just, what does God want from me? What does God want me to do? Where does God want me to go? What does God want me to say? God, what's your will for me? And in the introduction of the book, the author begins by asking another question. He says, quote, Have you ever gotten to the end of the day and wondered... Did I do God's will today or my will? Was I being led by God or by my own thoughts? How can I tell the difference? He then continues, quote, One of the many questions most commonly asked by Christians is, How can I know God's will? When you ask people about it, they will usually say something about praying and reading the Bible. Why, the answer is rich in truth. It sounds so simple. You can't help but wonder if somehow there may be a bit more to it. I read my Bible, I pray. Why don't I know whether or not God is really leading my life? Should I just assume that he is? Whether you are a new Christian or have known the Lord for decades, these questions we all wonder about, unquote. I'm sure that some of you today are in that same quandary. Some of you today are wondering, what's God's will for my life? I don't care what your age is. As long as you've been a Christian, you might be wondering, what is God's will for my life? What should I do? where should I go? What should I say? Am I doing right now what I want to do, or am I doing what God wants to do? How do I know the difference? And it becomes a quandary. It becomes a, a dilemma for us that we look at these things. Whose desires should I fulfill? I don't want to fulfill my own desires. I'm going to fulfill God's desires. But it becomes a problem. We know from the book of Proverbs, one of our favorite sayings, our uh, scriptures in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That's what we do. But if we're making decisions by leaning on our own understanding, we're not following God's direction. I mean, how much and how many times do we miss God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for our lives? Because day after day, we're living by and leading by our own understanding instead of God's understanding. You might not have ever been there, but I have. I've been there. When we learn to follow the leading of God through the Holy Spirit, we can walk in a path that the Lord has for us. And this path is a path of freedom. It's a path of joy. And it's it's a path that leads to great peace. And this peace is not just some sort of a, a feeling of peace or a passing feeling, but it's a deep and lasting peace. It's a sense of safety and a confidence that we have, knowing that we're in the Lord's will and we're doing the work that he has chosen for us to do. This peace can only come from the Lord. And believe me, it's worth more than all the riches in the world. It's a wonderful thing to have the Lord's peace in our being. There's nothing more that will produce the peace than following the Lord's will, having an intimate relationship with him, having that one-on-one and knowing that you're in the center of his will and that he's directing your life. The Apostle Paul had this peace. The Apostle Paul was the epitome of this peace because he was walking in the will of God and he knew it. He knew from whence he was coming and where he was going. Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and no matter what his disciples, or anyone else for that matter, said to him, nothing could sway him from following the Spirit as it guided him and led him. He would not be moved. As I said, some of you today might be struggling with crucial decisions, wondering just what is God's will for you. Or we may think we know what God's will is for us, but we're not sure how to accomplish it. I know what God wants me to do, but how do I do it? You know, this story that we're going to look at today of Paul's struggles might offer us some helpful insights on how we can keep from being derailed in following God's will and God's direction. You remember where we were. Paul is leaving Ephesus. He's talked to the Ephesian elders, and now he has Jerusalem in his crosshairs. He wants to go to Jerusalem. We read long time ago, it seems, in Acts 19, verse 21, Paul purposed in his heart when he passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. How did Paul know when it was time to leave Ephesus and go to Jerusalem? He purposed in his spirit. The verb purpose here means he intended, he designed, he had resolved. He was determined on some end or object to be accomplished. He was determined to preach God's word because that's what God had called him to do. And he was determined, and he had resolved to do that. See, Paul lived with one purpose and one purpose only, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his sole purpose for being. In fact, if he wasn't living, he wanted to be with the Lord. If he wasn't serving Christ, he wanted to be with the Lord. But he said, it's far better for me, for you, than I stay here. But I'd rather be with the Lord. Paul's purpose was to spread the gospel. This was what the Lord had called him to do. And Paul would spread it at all costs. And although Paul was led by the Holy Spirit, he was definitely led by the Holy Spirit, he was also warned by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave him warnings that things were going to happen to him that weren't going to be so nice. He had these warnings. We saw in Acts 20, 22, and 23, and C, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that change and tribulations await me. And you're still going? He continues, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Here we see Paul describing himself as immovable, unchangeable, unwavering in resolve. And the Greek words here describe a well-thought-out process. This wasn't something that Paul just woke up one day and went, oh, you know what, I think I'll follow the Lord. You know, this was well thought out. He'd been given the, the, the vision of the Lord. He met the Lord Jesus on the way to Damascus. He had a conversion like no other. He was dressily converted. He had a heart transplant. And now all he, what he wanted to do was serve the Lord. He said, nothing moves me. I'm at least bit deterred about what awaits me. Now, how could Paul say this? It was because he was secure in who he was in Christ. Remember, we talked about this. Paul said to the Philippian church, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's where Paul's security was. That was Paul's mindset. Paul's commitment to Christ was the priority of his life. Nothing or no one could stop him from accomplishing that, like we said. So Paul knew where he was headed. He knew what awaited him. And in today's study, we see as Paul now travels towards Jerusalem. And on the way, he meets many disciples, many disciples, and he stays with them in a while. But these disciples warn him also of the dangers of going to Jerusalem. And these disciples tried to persuade him, and they tried to pressure him to not go. And this begins to confuse Paul, and it begins to get him upset. We're going to read about this, how this upsets him, because Paul believes he's following the Holy Spirit. Why did the Apostle Paul go to Jerusalem in the first place? Why did he want to go to Jerusalem in the first place? He had been there several times before. You can read that through the scriptures. He'd been there. It's not like he had never been. I came up with three reasons why he wanted to go. Well, first of all, he wanted to deliver the offering that he had collected from the Gentile churches. Remember, we had discussed that. We talked about the offering that Paul was taking to the Gentile churches. You can read that for yourself in Acts twenty-four seventeen, Romans 15, 25, and 26, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 4, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 10, and 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 to 15. If you didn't get all those down, come see me later. I'll give them to you. And it was a great offering that they took. It was a very, very large offering. The commentator Haley said, This offering was a crowning demonstration of the spirit of brotherly kindness to encourage a feeling of Christian love between the Jew and the Gentile. Paul was taking this offering. Secondly, Paul needed to go to Jerusalem to keep a vow. Remember, he took a Nazaret vow back in chapter 18, 18. He took a Nazaret vow. So in order to complete this vow, he had to go to Jerusalem. And we're going to study this when we get to Acts 21, verse 24. We'll study this a little further. And thirdly, Paul wanted to testify the gospel of the grace of God to the Jews, his beloved people. Yeah, but Dave, wait a minute. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was sent to the Gentiles. This is true but this was the will of the Lord for him to testify to the Jews. Go to Acts 9, verse 15. When the Lord is talking to Ananias and says, go down to the street called Straight, and there's a guy praying there. His name's Paul. I've chosen him. And this is what he says in Acts 9, 15. Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So it was the Lord's will that he share the gospel message to the children of Israel. And by the time Paul's life is over, guess what? He would have done all three things. Because at the end of the book, he shares the gospel message to kings. And we're going to read about that. So as we look at our text this morning, we see in verse 1, Paul's leaving the Ephesian elders and setting sail. And at the end of chapter 20, we saw Paul and the elders kneeling and praying and weeping freely and kissing one another, saying goodbye. And as we begin chapter 21, in the first part of verse 1, it says, now it came to pass when they had departed from them. What's interesting here is that the original King James says, after we were gotten from them, and the NIV says, after we had torn ourselves away from them. The Greek word here implies that they had to drag themselves away from these people. They loved each other so much that it was a real hard departure. It was a real hard time. It was a wrenching goodbye. Scripture says that they sorrowed. They cried because Paul said, I'm never going to see you again. And it, it was greatly grieving to them and grievous to them. This was a very traumatic and emotional experience, not only for the elders, but for Paul as well. So he leaves, and the the journey finally begins in earnest. If you look at the second part of verse 1 all the way to verse 3, and set sail, running a straight course we came to Kaz, following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And finding a ship sailing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload her cargo. So during this 400-mile trip that Paul's now on, I wonder, did he worry about what was laying ahead? Was he having second thoughts? As he sat there on the ship, you know, it was a 400-mile ship, so there was a lot of time. Was he being bombarded with doubt? Was he being bombarded with all kinds of things? Was he having trouble discerning what the Holy Spirit wanted him to do? Did he think he was making a mistake? Was he truly following the Holy Spirit, or was he leaning on his own understanding? I think he wants to know this. See, we put Paul up here on this pedestal. We put him way up here. But he'd be first to tell you, hey, I'm a man. I'm a human being. So I'm sure some of this stuff must have went through his mind. I'm sure he was having a problem with it. You know, this is an all-too-often thought when we're following hard after the Lord. Our flesh begins to ask us questions. Are you sure you're following the Lord? Are you sure the Lord told you to do this? Sound familiar? Go back to Genesis in the garden. Has God really said? He has never changed his tactic. He still guesses us with the same thing, questioning God's word. But you can get yourself tangled up in knots when you start this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you get stuck in neutral. When I say stuck in neutral, it means you can't go forward, you can't go backward. You just kind of, what do I do? Where do I go? What's happening? And Satan's going, gotcha. Yeah. Right where you want. He's, you're neutralized. You can't do anything. You can't accomplish God's perfect will. But it appears to me that Paul really wanted to get to Jerusalem. He had given the plan to, at his highest priority. And more than anything else, he was trusting in God. He didn't fear consequences. I love my man Paul. He was great. But this joy and abandonment to do the divine will of God would not go unchallenged. And let me give you a word. Yours won't either. Did you hear me? Yours won't either. If you decide to follow hard after God, if the Lord gives you a specific word to do something for Him, it will not go unchallenged. I can guarantee it will not go unchallenged. Be assured that when you try to follow hard after the will of God, challenges will come and it will be placed in front of you. You will feel like a hurdler running down the thing, constantly going over the hurdles as they're put before you. And they will come from the most unlikely places. It will come from the most unlikely places. So Paul and his party landed Tyre, and they seek out fellowship with the disciples there. It says, in finding disciples, we stayed seven days. The Greek here used that Paul actually went and looked for disciples. He actually went out and searched for disciples. Now, Paul wanted to meet these Christians. He had never been in Tyre. He wants to meet these Christians, and he wants to encourage them, and he wants to fellowship with them. I love this about Paul. I love this. Paul knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem. Paul's been told many times by the Holy Spirit, something bad's going to happen in Jerusalem. You know, he could have said, hey, I'm on vacation. I'm going to sit back and relax. I'm not going to mess with this fellowship stuff. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to Bible study. I'm on vacation. Come on, it's my time to party. I'm going to sit back and relax. Not Paul. Paul said, where are the Christians? Let's do some fellowship. Let's get some Holy Spirit going here. Let's look around. I mean, that's what Paul did. No, Paul wanted to see these people. He wanted to talk to them. I love that about Paul. He starts talking to them in, in, as an instant rapport. Now, come on. You meet somebody brand new. You're really not sure who they are, but you start talking to them. And all of a sudden, there's this instant rapport. And like, wait a minute. Are you sure we haven't met each other? Are you sure we don't know each other from a long time? Well, you, know, you start this instant rapport, and all of a sudden, you find out, they're a Christian. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, wait a minute. The spirits starts going crazy. And it's like you've known this person all your life. This is what's happening in Paul. He wants to see these things. But something happens while Paul is fellowshipping with these believers. He's encouraging them. He's praying with them. And he's sharing with them. And they say, don't go to Jerusalem. What? What? This must have sent Paul into a tizzy. It says they told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. I'm confused. Now I'm confused because Paul believes he's following the Spirit to Jerusalem, and these disciples think that the Spirit told them to tell Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Is this some side of a clash song? Should I stay or should I? I'm sorry. I digress. Pardon. The literal Greek here says that they kept telling Paul. It was a constant hounding. Like every time they saw him, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. It must have constantly bombarding him. I have to ask the question. Because we know that Paul goes to Jerusalem. I mean, we know that because we've read the book. We know the story. Paul goes to Jerusalem. I have to ask the question, did he make a mistake? Did he make a mistake by going to Jerusalem? Was he disobedient to the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what, gang, the jury's out. The jury is still out because I read a lot of commentaries on this, and it's like 50-50. It's like 50-50. One commentator said, many commentators have struggled with this passage. I suppose we are reluctant to attribute any wrongful action to the Apostle Paul. These studies and acts have endeared him to us. We recognize the strength of his character, the fervor of his spirit, the love and compassion that always was near the surface of this great-hearted man, and we've come to love him. It is hard to believe that Paul would deliberately disobey the Holy Spirit, and yet, taken at face value, this sentence indicates a command of the Holy Spirit which the Apostle chose to ignore. Wow. Another commentator said, maybe Paul should have waited until he had a clear picture, a more clear picture. On the other hand, there are many who think Paul did not sin. There are many who think that Paul followed the Holy Spirit and was following the Holy Spirit all along. Instead, they say Paul already heard the warnings, and we talked about them in Acts 20, 22, and 23. Also, they said that the language used through the Spirit the language here used through the Spirit that the Spirit told them, the, the disciples, that Paul would undergo suffering for Christ. And this made them upset because they didn't want to see their beloved apostles suffer. So it was more of, it wasn't a provision. don't go. It was more of a, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. That's what a lot of people think. I don't think we'll know this side of heaven. I'm not really sure, but I do know Paul went, and we know the rest of the story. We know it eventually led to his death. We know that he was imprisoned. But if he never went to prison, where would the prison epistles come from? Where would all those glorious things that would come from that we have in our Bible? I don't know. But you can imagine the enormous pressure now that Paul is under. Seven days he was there and they're constantly saying, repeatedly pleading with him, don't go, don't go, please don't go. In verses 5 and 6, we see Paul finally leaving them, and he continues on. Again, this must have been a difficult time because he really loved them. Let's read it. When he had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way, and they all accompanied us with wives and children till we're all out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. And when we had taken our leave one from another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. Can you imagine this great big throng of people coming with Paul? They're all walking together. See you, Paul. Bye, Paul. They're all coming down here, and they're all sad. And as Paul's, the ship's passing away and pulling away, Paul's on the back looking out, and they're going, don't go. I mean, this must have been horrible for him.
0: There's much more Pastor Dave would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Cape Watch Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Pastor Dave will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Acts next time. You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at Sometimes it's just easier to call. Our phone number is 609-884-5821. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 609-884-5821. You can learn more about Cape Watch Radio, Calvary Chapel Cape May, and Pastor Dave at our website, www. Dot CapeWatchRadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at capewatchradio.com That's www.capewatchradio.com You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. You can also subscribe to the Cape Watch Radio podcast. Subscribing is easy. Log on to capewatchradio.com click on the subscribe button or simply search for cape watch radio in the itunes store well that's all the time we have for today from all of the production team here at cape watch radio we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of cape watch radio